Good morning. A warm and hearty welcome to the house of the Lord. We welcome all who have come to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and experience God's blessing as we fellowship with fellow believers. Also a warm welcome to those who will be listening to the broadcast later in the week. Today is Mother's Day and we wish a happy Mother's Day to all mothers. We thank you for being godly mothers, bringing life to each new generation and providing and sustaining homes where children can flourish and be spiritually nourished. For a scripture passage, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31, beginning with verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Remember, Jesus is at home in any place where he is welcome. Our objective is to know God and make him known. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for being our God, and we praise you for how you fearfully and wonderfully designed, formed, and created mankind. Your eyes saw our substance being yet unformed, and you fashioned our days. Marvelous are your works, and precious are your thoughts. Lord, would you guide our thoughts this morning as we sing your praises, share about the impact of our mothers on our lives, and hear and meditate on the truths of your word. May it stir our hearts so that we would walk in obedience to you and your will, both individually and corporately, as a body of believers. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Can you please stand with us and we'll sing Awaken the Dawn and then Shout to the North.
You may be seated, and we'll sing the next song, I Will Praise Him Still. weekly activity going on this uh, this coming week. Uh, take note of them. Focus on missions. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Sharep. Remember them in prayer and the, their ministry. Central Station Community Care Program. Please pray for the care program as it brings individuals, families, and their supporters together to work through complicated life issues and make life better. Also, uh, this week, uh, life in the church, men, women, young and old are welcome to come take part in blanket tying uh, Wednesday morning at uh, nine o'clock in the meeting room. Avail yourselves of that. Uh, church family and praise, we have uh, persons with health needs in the Boundary Trails Hospital, Abe A. Friesen, Carolyn Ham, and Dave Weeb, at Swan Lake Hospital, Mary Duick and John Suderman, and at Red River Valley Lodge, Rita Friesen. So bring these uh, people before God for healing. An expression of sympathy. Scott Ferguson of Steinbeck passed away on Saturday, May 6th. He was the son-in-law to John and Sally Leckerman, and his funeral was held uh, yesterday afternoon. Remember them in prayer. A special Sunday school class. Pray for Anna Friesen as she teaches the class, and for the students as they grow deeper in the knowledge of God. Pastor Victor is preaching at Leon Cross today. And uh, there's a need for personnel. We are still looking for a custodian, but uh, Susan Clausen is retiring as administrator's secretary. Uh, we are looking for a person to fill this position on a half-time basis. A resume can be dropped off at the church and, they, and other places if you look at that. And uh, we'll be having communion on 28th of May and receiving new members. And I'd ask the ushers to come forward. Uh, on the community and other events, 1613 ministry, there's a need there for Ukrainian family that has just moved uh, to Winnipeg from Ukraine, and they uh, have uh, various needs, and I'd uh, ask you to look at that and see if uh, that need can be met. And also, after the service today, there will be flowers for the ladies at the end of the service.
Let's uh, pray. Holy God, we praise your name. Lord, we stand in awe of your omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent attributes. You are the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We delight in your presence here this morning as we bring you our worship. Put your arms of love around those that are weary and struggling, and uphold the lonely, the brokenhearted and depressed, and those that need encouragement to carry on. We pray for lost souls and those that are spiritually asleep, that salvation and restoration would come to their souls. Lord, intercede with your measure of healing for Abe Friesen, Carolyn Ham, and Dave Weeb in Boundary Trails Health Center, Mary Duick and John Suderman at Swan Lake Hospital, Rita Friesen at Red River Valley Lodge in Morris, as well as others in our congregation. You know every need. Lord, we pray that you would be the provision for John and Sally Leckerman as they grieve the loss of a son-in-law. Guide them and others in similar situations through their time of grief. We pray that there would be continued vitality and growth for our missionaries Donna Sharep and their ministry. I pray that their outreach would be vast and that you would give them victory as they encounter the enemy. We pray for the Central Station Community Care Program for wisdom to deal with and work through the complicated life issues with all involved. Lord, we pray for your enlightenment in the ongoing activities of our church, the special Sunday school class, the relief purpose project, personnel positions that need to be filled, prayer meetings and Bible studies, and membership transferees. We invite your wisdom, guidance, and discernment in each one of these activities. Lord, we thank you for faithful giving to meet the needs of the church and for the furthering of your kingdom. Bless the offering, and may you multiply the gifts. Lord, this morning we present you our worship. I ask your blessing on the participants serving, and pray that your truth would be revealed by Pastor Dean's preaching. Anoint him, the participants, and the congregation, and may it serve in his expression of our desire to serve and honor you. For we ask it with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and it's the account of the birth of Samuel. There was a certain man named Ramathane, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkaniah, son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was, was Pinnah. Pinnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Silo, where Himni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Pinnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Helkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home to, at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man, Helkina, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vows, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she, he w until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, a rafa of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Many of us have special memories about our moms. 
And if I were to ask you if you could think of special memories, I'm sure every one of you here today could think of those special memories. Some of us have already shared about some of those special memories, and there's something. The older that you get, it seems that our memories do not fade. We can remember back to what our mums have said to us. Many times they're words of encouragement. Sometimes they were words of admonishment. But they were there for us. And nothing can compare to a godly mum. A mum who has prayed for you. A mum who cared for you and was concerned for your salvation. I wonder if Samuel was asked today if he could speak what he remembered about his mother, Hannah. What would he say? Well, we know that she was a godly mother. And today we want to look at the character of her life, the virtues that were in her life. As the book of 1 Samuel opens, we find the nation of Israel in a period of judges. And 1 Samuel is a sequel to the book of Judges. Israel had no king as of yet, and sin was rampant. One of the first things that we find is that many in the nation of Israel adopted the practice of polygamy. So it was with Elkanah, Samuel's father, who had two wives named Hannah and the other Pinnah. As we read, we quickly discover that Hannah is barren and Pinnah can have a family of sons and daughters. It seems that the Lord had blessed her beyond all measure. The text indicates that Hannah and Elkanah's first wife was Elkanah's first wife and the one that he loved so much. However, since she could not bear children and posterity was so highly valued in the culture, he took himself a second wife to have future generations. However, as we find in this chap in chapter one, the style of live uh, this style of living only leads to heartbreak, rivalry, and division. And true it is. Of course, this was never God's intention for man, according to Genesis. However, this was a problem for Israel, and they encountered it. They didn't obey the Lord. Instead, they began to adopt the culture and the practices of the pagan people around them. The second prob problematic issue was found in chapter 2, which is that the priesthood had become corrupt already. It had come, become corrupt. The priest Eli, serving at the time, had two sons, and the scriptures say that they were wicked men, and they disrespected the Lord. The things we, things were not well in Israel, so God prepared to send them a prophet, and Samuel is chosen, becoming one of the Old Testament's most significant prophets. His mother was Hannah, and because she was a godly woman, she influenced her son to be a man of God. So this is the way that the book of 1 Samuel opens up. There's a transition that will be being made. This morning, as we want to look at the life of Hannah, a godly mother who influenced her son to be a prophet, transitioning Israel from judges to a monarchy because the kings then did follow. Her life directed Samuel in a way he was to go, which actually changed the course of Israel. I've entitled this message, The Four Characteristics of a Godly Mother. The Four Characteristics of a Godly Mother. Number one, a godly mother does not retaliate when provoked. A godly mother does not retaliate when provoked. Verses one through eight. Whenever we stray from God's word, we end up running into problems. As I said before, Hannah married a man who practiced polygamy. There is no doubt that Elkanah deeply loved Hannah. However, because she was barren, the culture often practiced taking a second wife and even going into a maidservant to have children. We find this taking place in the life of the patriarchs. 
For example, God promised Abraham a child when Sarah was past the bearing stage. So Sarah took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to Abraham and said, Go, have children for us. And then when it did happen, oh, she condemned Abraham for that. Jacob followed the same pattern. When Rachel could not have children, she took her maidservant, Bilhah, and gave her to Jacob and said, Go have children for us. Genesis chapter 30, verse 3 and 4. Now we can understand why Elkanah had two wives. Hannah was the one that he loved. That was, her fir- that was his first choice. But when she was barren, then she, he went and took another wife. Yes, God allowed it, but there are always consequences when we break God's law. Sometimes we think we get away with things, but we don't. We don't get away with them down here. Sometimes we might, but we all stand before the Lord one day and we give an account. So we never get away from making decisions that are not in the will of God. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were commanded not to intermarry with the people of the land. In the New Testament, Paul writes to the Corinthians that believers should not be yoked with non-believers. Similarly, marrying two wives creates a situation for heartache and animosity. And it did thrive in marriages where there were more than one wife. God's design for marriage was one man for one woman, and the two were to become one flesh. And it was over. It was a closed relationship. The only third party that was to be in the the marriage was God himself, who would guide and direct the uh, couple. Despite the evil of polygamy in the marriage, some good came out of that relationship between Elkanah and Hannah. Because in the midst of everything, God still can work. First, although it was not a perfect relation, it had a spiritual, strong spiritual dimension. Elkanah was a Ephraimite, Ephraimite which meant that he came from a Levitical Levitical tribe. Therefore, Samuel did not come about the prophet being a prophet um, illegitimately. Second, both of them worshipped the same Lord together and observed all three stages of the feast. And third, they were both striving to serve the Lord. How important that is that they both strive to serve the Lord. God used another dimension of the polygamous marriage to help refine Hannah. As though as ugly as it was, first, because Hannah was barren, Elkanah wanted to demonstrate his love, giving her a double portion of the food. He loved her very much, and he wanted to show it. Although Hannah could not have children, this did not diminish her her husband's love for her. Instead, this was a tangible way to see how much Elkanah cared for her and how much he loved her. Second, according to verses 5 through 8, the Lord had closed her womb. I want you to notice that. It was the Lord. Twice it says in verse 5 and then verse 6, the Lord closed her womb leading Peniah to mock and ridicule Hannah so that she wept and would not eat. Think about that. She was so disturbed on the inside, she would not eat. One could only imagine the horrible situation Hannah was in. First, she was married to Elkanah, the love of her life. Then, because she could not have children... Elkanah brought another woman into the marriage by marrying Penah. No doubt, she must have felt rejected and even betrayed. Think about, if you were a woman, how you would feel if there was another one that came in. Think about the opposite side, if you were a man, and all of a sudden, (laughs) there was something else. There, There was another man that came in. That would be a horrible situation. You can see the friction. You can see the problems that would uh, um, uh, develop. 
and how hard this would be. I believe Hannah must have felt rejected and betrayed. Finally, to top this up, this new mistress could only give, could not only give Elkanah all the children he wanted, but Pinnah mocked and reviled her because Hannah could have no children. Think about this. This new person that comes by would mock you because you were barren. However, despite all this, Hannah does not retaliate or say one word. I want you to notice that. She does not retaliate or say one word about striking back, getting even, or settling the score. Not once anything is mentioned here. Hannah was a lady of noble character because she did not retaliate when she was reviled. Think about that for a moment. That must have been very hard, but she kept quiet. This now leads us to the second characteristic of a godly mother found in Hannah. Number two, a godly mother brings her burdens before the Lord in prayer. A godly mother brings her burdens before the Lord in prayer. Verses 9 through 14. First, let me read for you verses 9 through 11 once again. If you have your Bibles, follow along. Verses 9 through 11. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. According to these verses, Elkanah went with his wives up to Shiloh, which was approximately 15 miles away from Ramah, where they lived. Every year they would go and they would worship the Lord there. This is what they did faithfully. They were faithful. I said before, Pinnah provoked and irritated Hannah yearly since she could not have children. This was a yearly thing, a yearly thing. However, according to verses 10 through 11, Hannah never retaliated but took her burden to, burdens to the Lord in prayer. Hannah sought the Lord through prayer and fasting and she asked for a child. It was not for selfish reasons so she could fulfill her needs of having a child to love and having a child to love you back. Instead, she wanted a child so that she could give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. Think about it. It wasn't for a short time. It was for all the days of this individual's life. Hannah meant every word she prayed because we find out later in the book that is what she did and she fulfilled the vows that she had made. Let's look at verses 12 through 15 now. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. In these two verses, we can see Hannah's fervor, intensity, and perseverance in prayer. 
She is unaware that anyone is watching her, and although her lips are moving, no sound came out of her mouth because she was praying from her heart. It was coming from the inside. She meant every word that she was praying. Her focus and attention were on an audience of one. That audience and one was God, the creator, the sustainer of the world. It was on him alone, and that is the one she had to deal with. She is the one because she knew that God loved her. Her focus and attention was on the Lord. Hannah was so captivated in praying. I want to repeat that. Hannah was so captivated in praying and communing with the Lord and worshiping the Lord that she forgot about her surroundings and she didn't even realize somebody was watching her. Finally, Eli the priest breaks the silence and thinks that she is drunk. Wow, how do you and I pray when we come before the Lord? Are we so captivated by his presence that we forget about the time and surroundings? Hannah is a godly mother who brings her burdens to the Lord, and in the mists she gets lost in God. I want you to think about that. Is there anything that you get lost in today? What are your favorite hobbies or the favorite things that you do? Who are some of your favorite relationships? Do you ever get lost? All of a sudden you look and go, oh, I'm late for appointment. I didn't even know we we're here that long. Because you are having the time of your life. And so it was with Hannah. She was enjoying her time with God, bringing her broken heart before the Lord, knowing that the Lord understood every detail of her life and cared about her. So far, we see two godly virtues in Hannah's life. First, she does not retaliate when she is provoked. Second, she brings her, her burdens to the Lord in prayer. That's where she goes. Where do you go when you have burdens? Who do you talk to? Or do you go before the Lord and first lay them out before the Lord because you know that he hears and he understands your heart and how you feel. Now we come to the third characteristic of a godly mother. A godly mother trusts the Lord for his will to be done, verses 15 through 20. A godly mother trusts the Lord for his will to be done. Verses, 20 through, verses 15 through 20, let me read for you the conversation taking place between Eli now in verses 15 through 18. Then, of course, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant's a servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of a great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Wow, her face was no longer downcast. After she spent time with the Lord, there is a change in her. How about you and I today? Is there a change in us after we have spent time with the Lord? After we have poured out our hearts? Is there a change in you? Is there a change in me? Is there a change in the person next to you when they have spent time with the Lord. We learn from this passage of scripture that Eli wrongly evaluated the situation. He could not see that Hannah was communing with the Lord in prayer. Perhaps there are two reasons why Eli misinterpreted the circumstance. 
First, his sight was very poor because he was aged. And according to 1 Samuel 4.15, we read that his eyesight had actually gone at this time. Second, he did not lead well in the spiritual realm. His son, Hophni and Phinehas, were considered to be wicked, and he took no corrective measures to his sons. He didn't do anything about it. He just let them be as they were. Therefore, he lost his spiritual discernment. However, when he finally realizes that Hannah is not drunk with wine, but praying earnestly to the Lord, he gives his blessing to her. Since Hannah faithfully sought the Lord in prayer with her request to have a child, God answered her. Listen as I read verses 19 through 20. A miracle takes place. Verse 19, early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Halkanah lay with Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked, of the, uh, I asked the Lord for him. Once again, when we look back at verses 5 and 6, we see that God closed her womb. It was God who closed her womb in the first place. The reason was that the Lord was going to use the difficulty to draw Hannah closer to himself. Therefore, she sought the Lord wholeheartedly with everything in her as she asked for a child. Jesus and his disciples were walking one day in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The reason why the Lord closed Hannah's womb was to draw her to himself. The reason why he opened Hannah's womb was so that the work of God might be displayed in her life. And she was then carrying a prophet, a prophet that would make all the difference in the world in Israel and make a vital transition that was needed. He would move the period of the judges to the period of monarchy. And this was a great mission that was assigned to him. Incredible. Andre Crouch wrote a song entitled, Through It All. And one of the verses, verse 3, goes like this. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms that he brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I would never know that God could solve them, and I would never know what faith in God can do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all. I learn to depend upon his word. So far, we have seen three godly virtues in Hannah's life. First, she does not retaliate when she is provoked. Second, she brings her burden to the Lord in prayer. Third, she trusts the Lord for his will to be done. And finally, the fourth characteristic of a godly mother a godly mother remembers her commitment to the Lord. A godly mother remembers her commitment to the Lord. Verses 21 through 28. Let me read that for you once more as you ponder how her commitment was measured out and what she did in regards. Verses 21 through 27. 
when the man Elkanah went up with his, all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow. Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with three with a three-year-old bull, a ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and he said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am a woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for this whole, for, for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Wow. What more can be said? What more can be said? Let me quote Robert D. Bergen and what he says. He says, in this section, Hannah and Elkanah fulfilled a vow and entrusted Samuel to Eli's care at Shiloh for a long time, for a long for lifelong Nazarite service. As a preparation for this event, Hannah devotely nurse, de devotedly nurtures the child at Ramah, then presents him before the Lord, accompanied by a lavish sacrifice. The best model of the vow fulfillment in the Old Testament is presented here. As both Elkanah and Hannah make commitments to the Lord and then fulfill them dil diligently. Elkanah is particularly exemplary in the way in that, that he was only voluntarily made vows and then fulfilled them annually, but also he affirmed his wife's right to make a commitment to God as well. Furthermore, the family's extreme generosity in their giving to God set an example that is, a that is challenging for a person of faith." Close quote. This morning, we looked at the four characteristics of a godly mother, but I believe these characteristics should be part of every believer's life, whether male or female, whether young or old. However, Hannah set the example for us, and it's set there before us in Scripture. The question is, how about you and I today? What about your life? What about my life? We find that Hannah did not retaliate when provoked. When we are provoked, do we retaliate? Do we make sure we get the shot back? or say something, or stand up for our rights. And yet we find that wasn't part of Hannah's life. She didn't do that. She didn't strike back. Second, she brings her burdens to the Lord in prayer. How about you and I? Do you bring your burden to the Lord in prayer? Is he the first one that you consult? Am I the search when I pray? Is God the first one I consult? Or do we run to other people first and we get their opinions? Hannah went to the Lord in prayer. That's where she met the Lord. That's how she walked with the Lord. Third, she trusts the Lord for his will to be done. Are we content with God's will? Is the question. What about if God doesn't answer our prayer? Think about that. How many prayers that we think are not answered the way that we want? And there are prayers that 
God didn't answer in my life, and I just believe there's some reason why he didn't answer those prayers. But are we going to be content with God's will? Fourth, she remembers her commitment to the Lord. She made a commitment. She went out and fulfilled it. How about you and I? How about our commitments to the Lord and what the scriptures command us to do? Do we take those commandments and make them commitments? And do we fulfill those commitments? It's so important that we do that, that our commitments to the Lord are fulfilled the same way his commitments to us are filled. I want to finish reading the words to the song that I had earlier quoted. Verse 1 says this, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There were times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. I've been to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of faces. There were times that I felt also all alone. Yes, but in those lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was one of his own. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And then that third verse again. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms that he has brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I would never know that God could solve them, and I would never know what faith in God can do. I trust that through your problems and your hardships as a mom, especially as you have raised your children, and sometimes they did not turn out the way that you have wanted, perhaps maybe your grandchildren, and sometimes we're not in control of that, whatever it may be, and we have to give them to the Lord. And that's what Hannah did. She gave everything to the Lord, and she was, God was the first she consulted and the last. I'm sure she asked some of her friends certain things, but it was only after she went to the Lord. My prayer for you as a mom today that you will continue to walk with God. And perhaps maybe you're here today and you're not a mom, and God didn't answer your prayer that you wanted. But I want to tell you, God is still concerned because he knows the hairs on our head, and he knows everything about us. And if he knows the hairs on the head, you have to believe he's concerned about every detail of your life. My prayer for you is that you'll walk with him the same way that Hannah walked with the Lord. Let's sing together, For the Beauty of the Earth. It's number 58, and we'll sing the first three verses before the benediction. So please stand.
Just one announcement before I close with the benediction. As we already has been said, there will be flowers handed out at the four places where people leave. So make sure if you're a lady, pick up one of those flowers as a tribute to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we want to pray for every mom here today. Lord, they are special in your sight, and you bless them with children. Each one of us who, who is here today have a mom. Some have gone home to be with you, and others are still with us. We would pray that you would have your hand upon all the moms who are still here, and Lord, that you would guide and direct them. And Lord, we who have had moms who have loved us, we pray that you would direct our paths so that we can live according to their prayers that they have prayed for us. Now we pray, Lord, go with, go with us uh, our separate ways. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen.